Hey guys, Jesse Newell, KU beat writer for the Kansas City Star. I'm joined now by Blair Kirkhoff. We're going to spend 15 minutes now talking about KU football, a season opening 26-23 loss in Nickel State. First, let me welcome on Blair. Blair, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jesse. Uh, hope you're doing okay. Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, let's discuss... Before we get into any specifics about the game, Blair, let, let's kind of go big picture with this, uh, what this means for the program. As we know, David Beatty was number one on most hot seat lists for college football in the offseason. Uh, definitely needed a, a good start to this season to prove that he deserved past a fourth season with the job after a 3-33 and start at Kansas. You get an FCS school at home in Nichols State, a top 20 FCS school, but an FCS school nonetheless. Various sports betting lines had KU as an 8-12 to 12 point favorite in this game, and KU loses in overtime and really doesn't look like the better team for most of the game. Uh, Nicholas State had some problems in the punting game to kind of hand KU 10 points. So uh, let's just go big picture right now. What do you think this means for the future of the program? And I guess what were your uh, first thoughts after this game and what it means maybe for David Beatty's future? One thing that I, that I thought, as soon as I heard the final score, I was, I was, I was actually in Columbia on, on Saturday driving, so I'm driving back and trying to get the game, it's fading in and out, and, um, but, but it goes final, and the first thing that I thought of was, you know, this, obviously this is a, a terrible loss for Kansas, and the optics are just awful, um, but if, if, if it had gone the other way, if Kansas had won by three in overtime, I, it, it, people would look at it differently, people would, you know, fans, I think Kansas fans would, would feel a little bit more encouraged, but I don't know how you know, how differently reality would have been. So the fact that it was a, it was this type of game, you know, this close with, uh, with, with Kansas in the, the Power Five and Nickel State in 63 scholarship FCS, um, it, it's, it's, just a, it's just a bad, bad look. It's a bad look in the fourth year of, of a coach's tenure at, at a Power Five. This would be one thing if this were the first game. You know, Turner Gill lost to North Dakota State in his first game as the Kansas coach, and people were, you know, obviously, the Kansas fans were obviously upset. But you could almost dismiss it a little bit. First game, everybody, you know, new coach, everybody's still getting used to each other. And, and as I recall, they came back the next week and beat Georgia Tech. They did. Um, uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, so, but to lose to, to uh, you know, Nickel State, and in, in the to open the fourth year of, of a program, I um, I don't think there's any there's there's any way to provide a benefit of the doubt here, or there's no way to spin it in such a way that it's understandable or excusable. It just it just isn't. And, and you said it, and you just said it, Jesse. The you know for for them to be evenly matched, you know, in yards and in uh, in, a, in a lot of ways, there's that shouldn't happen either. Kansas and Nickel State should not be evenly matched. Um, it's, it's not a crime to lose to an FCS program. East Carolina lost to North Carolina A&T over the weekend. And, uh, and, and we, it's, it's James, one game I did listen to, James Madison played NC State tough as nails um, uh, on Saturday before losing by, a, I think, a two touchdowns this margin. But... Um, no, not 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 in a coach's fourth year, especially a fourth year that's on borrowed time. I I thought Kansas had every sort of motivational, inspirational advantage going into the season, and it didn't seem to matter on Saturday. Yeah, a couple of things to bring up with you, Blair. Um, David Beatty also lost his opener. So if you talked about Turner Gill 
doing the same thing. You know, David Bay lost to South Dakota State in his first year, and the same sort of thing. You know, you you have a lot of optimism in the fan base about a new coach, and then um, it's a little bit more understandable in the first game because you got your new players. You know, David Bay inherited. Um, a tough roster at that point, those sorts of things. But uh, the parallels go to that as well, that it wasn't just Turner Gill, it was Sim too. But I think it speaks to your point, which is we've we've read a lot of articles in the offseason. I know Max Olson had kind of a, a big one over the offseason by The Athletic talking about, you know, David Beatty, has he been given enough time? You know, he's trying to fix the scholarship situation. He's supposed to do all these things uh, and trying to do all these things behind the scenes. But all those... Um, if you want to call them excuses or uh, challenges or whatever, those should go away by now. Like, like you said, it's it's year four. It's a season opener. It's against an FCS school, and you've got them at home. And I, th- I think you speak to a good point, which is if KU would have won this game, people would have been upset. But at the same point, I kind of likened it to um, last year, KU basketball went to Nebraska. Didn't play great. They were down two. They find Spee in the corner with a well-run play, and they hit the three, and they make it. And KU fans were upset that they win the game by one. But you know what? It comes into the season, that's a quadrant two win. And it goes on the the win-loss record as a a victory, and you forget about it, but it helps the overall record. And I really thought this game for Kansas was exactly like that, which is if you can win it whatever way you want to, you can go to Central Michigan, and people will forget about the opener as long as it's a win if you go beat Central Michigan and the road losing streak and get yourself to 2-0. So I don't think it was... Super important how they got there. And again, they were up 21 to 18, fourth quarter, three minutes left. Their best unit was on the field, defense with one stop. KU still wins that game. But the fact they weren't able to get it done, it really kind of puts this season off the tracks before before it even began. It, it did. It, it does. Um, and, and you can, you know, those that study these things uh, guess that Nickel State is, um, you know, a, a competitive program. I, 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 you know, paid attention to the fact that they played Georgia within two points. Was it last year or two years ago? I can't remember. But it was two years ago, Georgia, and then last year they were tied with Texas A&M going into the fourth quarter and lost 24-14. Yeah, so that's, you know, those are those are facts. That that Those happen, and, uh, and, and you give Nickel State credit for being a, you know, a program on the rise, a competitive program, probably better than, uh, than anybody – has any reason to expect that that's outside of their their program and having but Sam said all of that I, I just you know for all for all the losing that's occurred in Lawrence um, in the last decade but in the David Beatty era um, you've got to you've got to have a result you've got to get a result and and in the game in which if, if we can trust the line because there aren't official Vegas lines on on games that are matching FBS and FBS FCS programs, but if we can trust that Kansas was perceived to be a touchdown or a point, a touchdown, a point better, you have got to find a way to win that game. You've got to find a way to win it, and it, it didn't happen. Um, and it was, uh, and so I thought you did a great job, Jesse, after the game, depicting uh, it and the Joe Dean. Uh, you know, portrait that you painted just sitting there afterwards, I, I thought was really, really telling. Uh, and it's, um, I, I feel badly for him and, and for other guys that have poured a lot into this program. Yeah, him and Daniel Wise, I think, are the two that immediately come to mind because both could have gone pro. Um, Joe Deneen said he didn't think about it, but he's a fifth-year senior. Uh, he could have graduate transferred. And we've seen guys in the past, like Isaiah Johnson is an example. He played well for KU for one year as a JUCO player. 
got his degree, and then he went to play for South Carolina. So there's at least the option there where you could say, hey, I'm done with 3-33. and I'm done with this program. I'm going to go find a better place for myself to play, for myself, and to, to win some games. And, you know, for Joe Deneen, he's a good enough player to do that. You know, he's a first-team yeah. All-Big 12 guy. Daniel Wise, same thing. His brother's in the NFL. He has an NFL future. It appears ahead of him. Um, but they came back for nights like that night, you know, because you're playing Nichols right. State at home. You come back because you think – it can't get worse than three and thirty-three. You know, you you put on all this offseason work. This is going to be different. You have more experience, and you're going to take care of business against a team that, frankly, shouldn't be as good as you. And then, when that goes wrong, and now you're looking down the rest of an eleven-game schedule where every other team is going to be tougher than the one you just played, and um, that's it's it's disheartening. And you know, I, I I'm with you. I there was a time too. Um, Daniel Wise and gave up a 10-yard run, or he didn't give up a 10-yard, 10-yard run, KU football did, a defense, and KU wasn't set. It happened a couple times in this game, and he, I mean, you could hear it on the TV broadcast. He yells out, he goes, get the effing play call in. And it's like you just feel for these guys sometimes because you wonder um, you, you wonder where their responsibility goes. And again, these guys aren't perfect. They're not making every single play. And I, Joe Deneen seemed to have a rough first quarter and, and was out of position a few times. So I'm not saying these guys are perfect, but at some point too, you're wondering how much help are they getting? I mean, a three and 34 record, it starts to speak for itself. And, and you're wondering about these guys and, and they have to wonder too about the decision that they made to come back. And um, at a very human level, you, you do feel bad when you see a Joe Deneen just kind of drop his head in his hands and, and have everything the reality kind of sink in on him. Even after both those guys came out, post-game press conference said the right things, took responsibility, but uh, it's not something they should have to do at this point in the program. They they should have some happy days, at least against FCS opponents. Absolutely. Let me, let me ask you a question. I, so, you know, I'm on Twitter before the game and all of a sudden a couple of messages come from, you know, KU football that a couple of players that aren't going to be available for, for, for the opener. What, what kind of difference could that have made? Um, one of was the the Puka, right? Puka the, Williams, uh, yes, yeah. yeah. It's a uh, it's a good question, and uh, just to update people on that status. There's no update this week. Uh, KU football just put out a statement saying it was non disciplinary, um, and they'd update a status, but they couldn't say any more. It, it sure sounds to me, Blair, like it's an eligibility issue. I, I'm I still don't know why they don't just say that. I mean. Think about yeah. Bill Self and Billy Preston and all those guys. Like they said right away, it was an eligibility issue, and and that kind of takes some of the doubt out of it and some of the question marks and you know even not not controversy, but kind of makes it a controversy when you don't know what it is. But it, it seems like him. It's with him. It's a eligibility issue, and who knows? Uh, in a game that goes to overtime, if he's one of your best skill players, you know every right. little bit helps. Right. Every little bit helps, and for the fact, uh, you know they've been. Speaking him up in practice, they've or at press conferences, they've been saying he's going to be a, a game changer, a difference maker. They've been relying on him uh, for all those things to go down, and then you know release something ten minutes before the game. It seems like you maybe should have further or extended knowledge of that before and, and game plan accordingly. But it definitely didn't help, and uh, it was another thing with KU football that just I, I've always made this comparison, and it's almost it's almost uncanny because it seems like. For KU football, whenever anything can go wrong, it does. It's like the Murphy's Law. But, I mean, for KU basketball, think about it. Whenever anything can go right, it goes right. I mean, when they're down by 17 or 18 in the second half of West Virginia, and West Virginia turns over one ball off of its knee, it's like you just feel it. Like, KU's going to win this game. Everybody believes KU's going to win this game. And Puka Williams is just another example. It's like when he signed, it's – I mean, I – 
hand on my heart, Blair. I, I talked to a media member three weeks ago, and I said, Puka Williams is the guy that never seems to play for Kansas. Like Octavius Matthews last year, he was their top recruiter running back. He had They found some rare heart condition with him, and he never played. I mean, it just always seems when they get this one guy in that is supposed to be the difference, somehow, some way, it just never works out. And uh, it remains to be seen with Puka. Maybe he'll be back this week. Maybe he'll be back in the future. But it's just where KU football is right now. Every single time, it seems like something can go right. You get a top 200 recruit. It's one of the top recruits in program history. He's a running back, a skill position player, a guy who can play right away. He can't play. And so uh, that just kind of continues the pattern of what KU football has become. And uh, it continues to be, especially after this 0-1 start and a loss to Nickel State. Well, there's no there, there's no program in in college sports in major college sports that, that that has the largest variance between success or and or you know luck and Kansas football and Kansas basketball, including Kentucky, which um, you know which obviously has great basketball tradition and and football has been somewhat mediocre over the uh, over the course of history, but. Uh, but they did find a way to beat Central Michigan last week in, in, in the opener. How about that for transition? Great one. The, the spin ahead uh, with the, uh, the Chippewas on, 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 the, uh, on the horizon here for, for KU. And I know, I know before the season you were talking about that you were pointing at this game as one that, uh, you know, this, this is the one that could end the, the streak, the, the ugliest streak in, in college football. And, I don't I imagine your feelings have changed a little bit, but uh, but if there is if there is an opponent or a game that, um, that, that if you had to put a percentage chance on Kansas winning a road game, this would probably be the highest percentage. Definitely, and uh, I'll let you guys in on a little uh, a little before it happens. I'm not changing my pick. <laughs> I know that sounds Ooh. loony. I'm not changing my pick. But if you look in college football, you know the the betters fallacy. I think. Between week one and week two, it's where you only have one sample size of data and you overreact to it. So you saw this line for KU Central Michigan. It started out at six. If you look since then, Blair, I'm looking Tuesday here afternoon, it's down to four and a half. And if you think about this, Central Michigan, four and a half at home, and that's after KU lost to an FCS team at home. These two teams are about even. I mean, I, I these two teams, yeah. if you played it neutral – Odds makers would say they're right even, and I've been saying this all off season, and I think I even angered one of the uh, play-by-play guys, radio guys for Central Michigan, where I predicted KU would win, and he said only they'd only get 35 points for the basketball team showed up, which you know that that might happen as well. But I I really do think I mean 46 game road losing streak, the longest in FBS history. This this is the time to stop it if it's going to be before 50, and this is the best chance KU's had in five years. I looked it up and went back to Odd Shark and looked it up, and uh, the last time KU was had, was a road underdog by less than this, it was back in 2013 against Iowa State in what should be known as the Ice Bowl because it was the coldest day I've ever been in as a, as a human. Uh, KU and Iowa State, oh, K, KU was slip-sliding under, that one, yeah. under Charlie Weiss on their cleats on an ice field at Iowa State, and Iowa State won like 38 to nothing. But uh, they have not had an opportunity like this in about five years so uh, I, I'm not changing my pick. I think KU, if you think about it, KU too, they, they played awful. They had awful coaching decisions. They had indecision with coaching, all these things. I can line it up. And as I just said a couple minutes ago, they were up 21-18 with their best unit on the field and three minutes to go. They still almost won. Uh, so uh, I think yeah. these two teams are pretty equal, and I'm not going to overreact to the first game, and I'm still going to predict KU to beat Central Michigan. And, yes, I know that makes me sound crazy. That is bold, my friend. That is bold. You coming with me, Blair? 
No, I didn't think about this a little bit. I, I'll tell you what, I, speaking of bold, I, I, I think Kansas State's going to beat Mississippi State this weekend. Hey, ooh, that, I, I, I think that's bolder. And, 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 and I, you know, I've, I've been pointing that. I, I, I predicted a kind of a rope-a-dope uh, uh, effort from, from K-State in the opener, which is kind of par for the course for a Bill Snyder coach team, and that's exactly what they got. I don't think they anticipated minus four turnover ratio in that game, and which made it much closer than too much for comfort, but uh, uh, but anyway, they pulled it out, and now I think an overconfident Mississippi State team comes to Manhattan. I think a I wonder what kind of Kansas team goes to uh, to uh, Central Michigan. Is it one that's just going to be you know just devastated over the opening game loss? Can they find and muster enough motivation to to, to put uh, you know to, to put the opening game loss behind them? Uh, how did how did David Beatty? Team in the post game and, and press conferences and media ops this week. Is it the same same kind of David Beatty, or is there a level of uh, you know desperation in his voice? What, uh, what, what, what that might that might sway how I feel about KU's chances this week. Well, I got to be honest with you, Blair. Um, with KU football, it's it's kind of the same old because they're. It, it, I'm, I'm saying this. I'm not meaning to be insulting, but they're used to losing if that makes any sense. Like it's, it would be more difficult for me to, to tell you like, or easier, I guess, after a victory to say, Hey, how things have changed rather than to tell you after a loss, if things have changed, but no, it's kind of been status quo and uh, they promised to move on. And, you know, Joe Deneen, Daniel Wise said they wouldn't let the team give up on the season and all those sorts of things. It's still 11 games left. All those, all those things that you want to say or, or that you want to hear from fans, uh, if fans are listening out there, but um, we will see what happens. Like I said, I think my faith, uh, is more on Central Michigan because if they're only a four and a half point favorite in this game, then I'm not sure that they're a program much better than Kansas. And as you spoke to Blair, KU's been so, like I said, when I'm saying snake bit, like with turnover margin over the years. I mean, if you get a plus two turnover margin in this game, you're probably a six point favorite. You know, so I guess my yeah. my faith is is sort of in these two teams being equal and KU finally being on the right end of a coin flip, even though that has not happened lately and has not happened much here in the past four years under David Beatty. Now, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, look, they, Shane Morris isn't walking through that door on Saturday. They had it through <laughs> the, the, the five touchdown passes in Morris last year. It was through the lefty who was really good. They've got a 6'7 guy, sophomore, Poljan, I think his name is, or Poljan. Um, not a great thrower, but, uh, but, but uh, was their leading rusher against Kentucky last week. Uh, Central Michigan had a uh, – they, they had created four turnovers in that game at, at Boss. So – um, I might be leaning your way a little bit, Jesse. Come over to this side, Blair. Come over. The water's nice. I'd love to see it happen. I really, I would absolutely love to see Kansas end that stupid streak and get on the board. And you don't know where the, the chance for victory lies after this or the best chance, but uh, I, I'd love to see it happen this week. We will see KU Central Michigan coming up on Saturday. I appreciate the time, Blair. We're going to wrap up the KU portion of this Sports BKC podcast. Uh, thanks for checking us out.